Circle of Blue looks at how the border wall concerns in the lower Rio Grande Valley have been overshadowed by the coronavirus and other concerns. In South Texas, US-281 spends a while close to the Rio Grande before it turns right and heads straight north to the Dakotas. This two-lane highway slips out of downtown Brownsville and bends west. It travels through a landscape in the lower Rio Grande Valley that is renowned in Texas. It is a place where water, agriculture, and ecology are bound together in a tumult of ferocious urban growth, environmental restoration leadership, and political turmoil. On one side, US-281 passes by fields of cabbage, carrots, and leafy greens. They are features of a $60 million winter vegetable crop, one of the largest in the country. It's irrigated from the Rio Grande through a 2,000-mile network of canals and pipelines that date to 1904. But agriculture in the valley is shrinking as the population grows. Over the last two decades, 400,000 new residents are calling Texas home. The three counties closest to where the river empties into the Gulf of Mexico have adjusted accordingly. Each year, they have converted about 10 square miles of land into new roads, parking lots, businesses, and residences. Over on the highway's south side, the view is the opposite of the tended land across the pavement. Distant stands of spiny hackberry and western soapberry climb out of the shrubs and grass near the river. The thick vegetation along the U.S. side of the river is preserved in a necklace of wetlands extending more than 200 miles upstream from the Gulf of Mexico. These habitats are protected by two national wildlife refuges, five state parks, and several nonprofit conservation areas. These wildlands of native trees and shrubs are nourished by the river. They lure hundreds of species of song and migrating birds and conceal rare four-legged creatures, including the endangered ocelot. The frontier landscape also attracts two-legged creatures. Before the pandemic, some 200,000 people a year came to visit. They sustained a recreational tourism economy valued at up to $700 million a year. From side to side, US-281 unfurls as an ongoing study in contrasts between the cultivated and the wildlands. But as it approaches the town of Far and turns north, something incongruous appears on the untamed side of the highway. It's a dark steel curtain, about a thousand feet long and 30 feet tall, with thin gaps where the sun shines through. It stands between the highway and the river on the levee, dwarfed by the landscape, but full of intent. It is the first section of President Trump's border wall in the lower Rio Grande Valley. Earlier this year, as the section was under construction, the border wall spurred a brief civic conversation about its benefits and risks, but President Trump's signature project was quickly overshadowed by the raging pandemic which has sickened over 46,000 people in the region and killed over 1,800 there. 
and the wall does not compare to the two major issues affecting the lower Rio Grande Valley this century, population growth and water supply. The counties closest to where the Rio Grande empties into the Gulf of Mexico, Cameron and Hidalgo, are home to 1.3 million people. That's nearly 43% more than 20 years ago. In the lower Rio Grande, growth has increased concerns about the durability of agriculture and the security of water supplies. Residents and businesses consume about 300,000 acre-feet annually, according to state figures. That is expected to nearly double in the next 50 years, when the regional population is projected to nearly triple. Most of the surface water consumed in the valley comes from the Rio Grande. Projections in federal and academic studies on climate change predict that water flows in the Rio Grande will shrink and evaporation from large reservoirs upstream will increase. There's a large aquifer underlying the region, but its waters are salty. Several desalination plants already operate in the valley, and Texas has urged municipal water suppliers to build more in order to make the plentiful but salty groundwater suitable for drinking. Population growth also affects land use. State planners expect that many more farms will sell to developers for residences, shopping centers, and roads. By 2070, annual demand for irrigation is anticipated to shrink to levels seen only during droughts. However, the decline in irrigation use will not be enough to bring water demand into balance with the available supply. State and regional projections say that by 2070, the region's total annual water demand will increase to 1.6 million acre-feet. That's 200,000 more than this year. And during the next half-century, freshwater supplies are anticipated to drop. The demand and supply projections mean trouble for the valley later in this century. The same goes for much of Texas. The mismatch between fast-rising population growth, increased water demand, and declining freshwater reserves is an endemic challenge across almost all of the state. Given the magnitude of the water challenge and the complex discussion about how to deal with it, the border wall was considered a minor distraction. The president identified the lower Rio Grande as the region in Texas where the most immigrants and contraband were apprehended. He argued that the wall is essential to national security, and when he visited the lower Rio Grande Valley in January of 2019, he said, we actually have a fantastic design that's going to be efficient and fast and really, really work well. Most people did not buy it. Some 75% of Lower Rio Grande residents who responded to various opinion polls said that the wall will divert river flows, hurt wildlife, blight the viewshed, and waste money. Lower Rio Grande residents were also exasperated by the administration's efforts to undermine established environmental law and policy in order to speed construction of the wall. In other words, the border wall was out of place, as an idea and as a piece of structural architecture. 
The lone section of the wall along US-281 is hard to miss. Its mass of vertical lines appear at cross-purposes in a landscape where most of the visible straight lines, highways and irrigated furrows, are horizontal. The White House wants to build hundreds more sections of the wall, enough to span over 200 miles along the Rio Grande. Progress is not promising, though. Private landowners are managing to stave off the administration's efforts to use eminent domain authority to seize land along the wall's proposed route. The government has acquired just 10 of those miles, only seven more than it controlled in December. Should the president lose the election, the border fencing proposal would almost certainly come to a halt. Even before these setbacks, the border wall had unnerved a majority of lower Rio Grande residents. Bullying private landowners was one issue, disregarding cherished conservation values was another. Jim Chapman is a resident of Westlaco and vice president of Friends of the Wildlife Corridor, a nonprofit group that opposes the wall. He told Circle of Blue, What's happening is really sad. In many cases, the wall will slice through refuges, block animals, and ruin the experience people have worked so hard to develop. In a flood, animals won't be able to escape. The wall will become their death trap. This region in Texas has a long history of environmental stewardship. Since 1943, when the 2,000-acre Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge was established along the river, Presidential administrations of both parties have worked for protection and preservation. They have rallied support in Congress and invested well over $100 million in environmental restoration along the lower Rio Grande. Most of that money has been spent acquiring 270 parcels of land along the U.S. shoreline, over 100,000 acres in total, as habitat for mammals, songbirds, and migrating birds. The Lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge, established in 1979, is responsible for managing most of the ground. It aims to reverse the damage of more than a century of human abuse and restore this part of the Rio Grande to some semblance of its natural condition. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, a unit of the Department of the Interior, and other federal and state science groups have studied the area and say the work has yielded promising results. The two federal refuges support the country's most diverse communities of song and migrating birds, mammals, reptiles, and butterflies. Scientists have counted 429 species of birds, 44 species of mammals, 115 species of reptiles and amphibians, and 300 species of butterflies. Previous presidential administrations and Congresses also approved an array of environmental statutes and an international treaty, all designed to steward wildlife by securing habitat, protecting endangered species, and safeguarding the country's most bountiful flyway for migratory birds. Critics say this legacy is in jeopardy. They argue that the White House, the Department of Homeland Security, and the Interior Department 
are ruining those restoration achievements. The most recent government maps show that substantial portions of the wall are designed to divide large blocks of lands owned and managed by the Lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge. The newer plans are a departure from the more sensitive construction of a decade ago, when 55 miles of lower, less aggressive border fencing was built along the river closer to Brownsville. Carlos Rubenstein is an environmental consultant who has served as chairman of the Texas Water Development Board and served with the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. He told Circle of Blue, If I value land preservation and wildlife habitat restoration, I would tend to hold little, if any, value for the wall, particularly if it disturbs already secured land for land preservation. I would also hold little value for the wall if it impedes migration of wildlife. Besides the potential impacts of the wall's placement, there are serious potential consequences of the wall's process. The White House and the Interior Department are rewriting regulations of the bedrock environmental statutes that make federal refuges safe for animals and birds to feed, breed, and rest. Late in 2019, the administration rewrote the Endangered Species Act, making it easier to remove species from the endangered list and weakening protections for threatened species. Refuges in the lower Rio Grande Valley are home to more than a dozen threatened and endangered birds and animals. And this year, the Trump administration proposed to alter a treaty in order to exempt the unplanned killing of migrating birds. Such a revision could offer protection for those who cause major environmental damage. Under such a rule, for example, Exxon might have escaped its $100 million fine for the accidental killing of migratory birds during the Exxon Valdez disaster in 1989. However, On August 11th, a U.S. District Court judge ruled that this change in the treaty was unlawful. There have been further attempts to clear the way for the wall. In August 2019, the president used his emergency powers to waive requirements for the government to thoroughly assess the environmental consequences of the new wall. And despite claiming stout support for private property rights, the administration is eager to condemn private land along the route of the wall under its authority of eminent domain. Texas landowners are not giving up without a fight, in Congress and in the courts. Rubenstein, the former Texas Environmental Quality Commissioner, said, Being a Texan, I value private property rights most of all. Any taking of land needs to be done with firm adherence of legal due process and proper valuation of the land. The scales are tipped against some landowners in certain situations, and that would be hard to accept. Other stakeholders of the land, such as the wildlife inhabiting the preserved areas, have little voice to object. Career managers and ecologists with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service appear nearly helpless in defense of their conservation mission. 
The physical and procedural effects of the border wall represent a dramatic shift in policy for the protection of migrating birds and rare species. Critics charge that the current administration is ruining regional restoration that has been achieved by nearly 80 years of bipartisan efforts. Nationally, governmental stewardship efforts go back even farther. In 1872, the Yellowstone National Park became the first federal land preserve. Since then, administrations of both parties have pursued the consistent goal of acquiring ever-larger expanses of wildlands for parks, refuges, and national monuments. They managed them in a way that barred almost all ruinous industrial development. President Trump departed from that history. In December 2017, he carved two million acres from two national monuments in Utah. It was the first time a president has eliminated protections for such a major expanse of the public domain. National wildlife refuges are also a target. In December, following decades of opposition, the administration released its plan to allow drilling in part of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska. Because of this shift away from protecting public lands from development and resource exploitation, the administration itself, which owns the Lower Rio Grande Wildlife Sanctuaries, can be viewed as their gravest threat. Last year, public opposition to the wall in the lower Rio Grande Valley prompted Congress to put some properties off-limits to construction. Those properties include the Santa Ana National Wildlife Refuge, the National Butterfly Center, and a small state park. Henry Cuellar, the Democrat who represents the valley, sponsored the provision. In a statement in December, he said, we cannot allow the administration's border wall to destroy any cultural and historical landmarks in South Texas or upend lives of constituents in my district. But since then, the White House has gained money from the Defense Department to build the wall. It's not clear if the Cuellar restrictions will hold. Other federal refuge lands are still in play, and state and private conservation lands are also vulnerable. Brian Winton has managed the 1,000-some-acre Lower Rio Grande National Wildlife Refuge since 2006. He told Circle of Blue, The wall is going to challenge the refuge. We've been meeting regularly to voice our concerns about certain sensitive environments. The illegal traffic occurs throughout they look at it from that standpoint. We look at this as the last riparian forest left. Can you take that into account and build the wall in a manner that will not severely degrade what we're doing here? There are going to be impasses. A border wall along the lower Rio Grande will have consequences for the watershed ecosystem. But for the time being, the lower Rio Grande Valley National Wildlife Refuge has sufficient supplies of water. In acquiring lands for the refuge, the government also gained rights to 22,000 acre-feet of river flow. That's more than enough to fill wetlands and small ponds within the refuge boundaries. So, said Winton, water is not the major challenge right now. 
compared to the more formidable obstacles facing the public lands, such as growth and development, the wider roads, the industrial projects. For his part, he said, we're working to create a natural corridor along the river. When asked if the border wall was one of those formidable obstacles, Winton was circumspect. He said, some communities don't recognize the value of restoration, the value of ecotourism all these years. Projects are coming here that will jeopardize that if we aren't careful. For Circle of Blue, this is Eileen Ray McCann.